Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're here to discuss Season 3, chap- uh, Chapter 18. I don't know. What's, like, the right way to actually describe these? Like, we're Season 3, Episode 2, <laughs> but we're yeah. also on Chapter 18. But yeah, it's called the mind, I, I, I mean, the officially, mind. They're, they're, they call them chapters. They don't really refer to them by season. I, but, you know, as I was... Uh, as I was like writing our show notes down, I, I had the same thought. I'm like, especially as we go further into these seasons, I I think chapter 18, I have to do the math, you know, eight. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. Season three, episode two. <laughs> yeah. But it's called the minds of Mandalore. It is. It is. And, uh, a great episode this was, but before we get into the details of our review, um, Couple um, updates. Uh, first, uh, we had a brief Star Wars theatrical update from Variety. Um, I would say, not honestly, not a lot, a lot of this stuff is not to be, not not really surprising. I, I kind of expected a lot of this, um, and that's really that route Rogue Squadron, which they've said has um, you know been delayed indefinitely. It's still supposedly in development, but. I'm kind of skeptical it'll it'll happen, and Variety is skeptical as well. Uh, Kevin Feig's movie is also no longer in development because he's too busy with Marvel. Ryan Johnson is also too busy to work on his uh, trilogy of films. So really, that leaves Taika Waititi's uh, movie uh, in development, which still could land in December because there's a movie slotted on the calendar for December 2025. Um, so that could be Taika's film. And... Uh, and then, of course, there's another uh, rumor that Charmin uh, Obeyed Shinoy, who worked on Miss Marvel, is rumored to be directing a film uh, written by Damon Lindelof from Lost and Justin Britt Gibson from Counterpart. So who knows? Honestly, at this point, like the Star Wars films have been in such a tumultuous um it's it's been a very tumultuous time. Let's leave it at that. I, I I understand the tumultuous times when it comes to the Star Wars movies, but I think the one movie that I did enjoy was Solo, and I I, I don't think it's I don't think it's kind of fair that it's the one that people are looking at going that this is the one that kind of let's say slowed down the franchise because I think there were some aspects of it that were a lot of fun. Maybe there were some things they could have improved upon, but I kind of feel the movie kind of gets a little bit of a, a bad rap, which I really don't think it's fair. And again, yes, there are aspects to where you got to look, look at, cock your head going, okay, I kind of, but I think it wasn't as bad as everybody says it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a lot to love about Solo. I, I still... Mm-hmm. I still wish, you know, it's kind of impossible, but I still don't think, you know, Alden Ehrenreich is quite as good as, you know, uh, Harrison Ford and that sort when, of thing. And I'll agree with that aspect of it. And it is very hard for somebody to come in and basically oh, for sure. replace an icon. The same thing when it came to uh, the, I'm going to blow the name, the gentleman who who played Lando Calrissian, who did an outstanding job. Yeah. Oh, Don, yeah, Don, yeah for sure. Don, and, yeah, so I think Don, the, really the, the problem is... 
yes, like it kind of falls into the trap of the movie kind of falls in the trap of doing a lot of expected things. And, you know, it's kind of just telling the backstory that we already kind of knew and sure, fine, whatever. Still a very enjoyable movie. I think the bigger problem was that they released it too close together with the last Jedi and they didn't market it. Well, I think that's ultimately where it comes down to. And so Bob Iger's comments on it kind of, I think it was more of a, it wasn't an issue with the movie itself. I think it was actually, there were issues with the movie, but it was, it was more of a, it was a timing issue. I think you, 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 you put the nail on the head. It was too close to last Jedi. It should have been, put out further, you know, separation of the two. And I would almost going to say marketing could have been a little bit better for it. I I think everybody who's in that movie did the best they could with the characters. Mm -hmm. Very enjoyable. I, I think Kira is a character that does need to be explored more, you know, and, and it gives a great backstory. It's just, I I don't know. Steven, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think solo is underrated. I, I feel like all this news just tells me that, like, I don't believe anything that comes out of Lucasfilm right now when it comes to announcing projects. Yeah. Um, like the Rogue Squadron movie being, you know, delayed indefinitely is a pretty big bummer to me. And I think about, you know, the fanfare that movie had when it got announced. You know, we had, um, why am I blanking on the name of the director? Uh, Patty Jenkins. Thank you. Like, Patty Jenkins yeah. had, you know, a pre recorded video out, like, on a fighter jet or whatever. Like, it was, in my opinion, like pretty clear that they, they like they. It wasn't like oh, we think we're gonna do this film. Like some of Ryan Johnson's projects were like that. Like oh, we we want to have Ryan Johnson do something. Cool. No more details. But like, I don't know. It's emblematic to me of what we're seeing out of Lucasfilm as a whole. Just that they are really struggling to plan and put together um, anything in some ways. Like. Yeah, it it does seem like mm-hmm. they 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 want to put out the movies, but I think when it comes to the stuff that's going on in Disney Plus, there is an action plan going forward. They have where what stories, where they're going to go to, how they're going to. When it comes to the movies, you know, it's just we're just going to put a movie out. But it's like where where are you leading with these movies? Yeah, yeah. It just there's there's no plan. I think that's pretty clear, and it. In Layu of building a plan, we get announcements for projects so far in advance that they're not actually real. Exactly. Like the exactly. TV shows they announced what, like three years ago, whenever it was, and like uh, we some, have not seen anything. We yet. Yeah, we haven't. Aside, from, I mean, we saw Kenobi in the Andor, but so many mm-hmm. of the projects, to your guys's point, have not come out yet. Right. And and so I think. Yeah, I th- look. So a lot of this is natural. I think behind the scenes, they've just been very public with their announcements. Exactly. And right. That's what I makes blame it seem them more for tumultuous. starting projects and not you know following through, or for projects taking longer. Like, and that's not even inherently bad. Andor yeah. was announced what like at the same time or even earlier, I think, than Mandalorian, but came out obviously significant later. But it was fantastic. Like best Star Wars show we've gotten. Yep. The issue isn't the the content necessarily. The issue is they're now like they know their the perception problem exists. Mm-hmm. And so their struggle is to announce things to try and solve the perception problem. Mm-hmm. But then they can't get into the, the perception problem, which, which <laughs> exactly, causes the perception yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, it's, you know, frustrating because it really feels like we could be, you know, doing better. But 
such, you know, so it is. Yeah. Mm. Yep. But you have to admit the stuff that's been going on at Disney Plus has been very good. Oh, it's just that the yeah. movies, the movies right now appear to be the, the the part that struggles, which I can kind of see that being the point because you are trying to make a big splash on a big screen to make to to be honest to make a lot of money. Yeah, and to make sure that you have the funding for the next project. When it comes to telling the stories on Disney Plus, what I appreciate is when it comes to really good storytelling like Andor. It's plotted out and you know what your beginning and your end point is, especially and or, you know, at the beginning, you know what the end point's going to be. It seems like when it comes to the movies, they're, they're having that. What is the purpose of these movies? Where is going to be our beginning point? We want to make a trilogy. How's the middle going to work with the end point? And how are we going to get there to make sure it's a cohesive story? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there's certainly aspects where I don't think they planned out the whole story either. Like, in the case of Mandalorian, as we talked about in our last episode or two episodes ago, um, mm-hmm. or you know, we reviewed chapter 17 or in the case of presumably the Bad Batch, right? Where maybe they don't have fully planned out. Um, I actually don't know that for certain. I'm just assuming. Um, but, you know, yes, in the case of Andor, it's very much planned out and that helps. And I think they need to take that time and do it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, and, oh, sorry, Stephen. No, yeah, the last point I make is I think it's also emblematic of the approach they've taken with so much content. Um, like mm-hmm. High Republic is a perfect example for me. Um, they picked a time period that they know is safe from future development. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, they're not going to make any movies during the High Republic era. Like, that's not a time period that's interesting, I think, for mm-hmm. Lucasfilm. And I think we're seeing that in other places too. Like, Mandalorian is the only current, at least, like, sequel era project that's going on and it feels like we are they're avoiding exploring the stuff that's most interesting or putting mm-hmm. content out because they're trying to like mm-hmm. keep room for future yeah. um, and, and i think, think better, better plotting they could by doing it solve all of that right yeah totally totally get that yeah, yeah. let's let's talk about this episode well so yeah gonna... there's news first the real briefly before we go into that I, you know it, it is a very interesting discussion but you know we might actually get some news in a couple of weeks because as you guys know, Star Wars celebration is coming up and they announced the panel schedule. And unfortunately the three of us will not be able to make this one, uh, sadly, but, um, we'll be covering it remotely. Uh, and there's some great, uh, great panels. Oh my gosh. I wish, I wish I could make it. We have, of course the Lucasfilm studios showcase. That one will be where they announce a bunch of big stuff. Maybe we'll get some more movie announcements. We'll see. Um, there's a whole panel on Ahsoka. Uh, I man, that, that would be awesome to go to. Uh, we're going to have, of course, a panel on the Bad Batch, Visions Volume 2. There's going to be a screening of the Young Jedi Adventures, a new series that debuts on uh, May 4th. Um, there's a panel celebrating the 15th anniversary of the Clone Wars. Guys, can you believe we're on to 15 years of the Clone wow. Wars? We started this podcast when the Clone Wars started. Yeah. That's hard to believe. Yeah, that's a, so, so, I don't know if I want to think about that too much. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Neither do I. Neither do I. 15 but years of podcasting cool. together. Oh my goodness. Um, 40 years of Return of the Jedi, a making of Andor season one, a Lucasfilm publishing panel, the higher public panels, of course, as, as per usual. So yeah, should be should be great. And of course, if you can't make it to Celebration Europe, Lucasfilm in a random blog post about how to prepare for Celebration if you're going for the first time, announced that the next Celebration will be in 2025. So there you go. Really? I missed that. Yeah, they it's did. in a random blog post. <laughs> no, and no I, dates, no locations, just the okay. year. But yeah, 
Uh, it's very interesting. But um, yeah, so if you're going to Celebration, check it out. I'm sure we'll get, you know, we'll hear about the announcements. They'll probably have some exclusive trailers and clips that will not be seen outside of Celebration Europe. But if you're going to Celebration Europe, uh, and that's over Easter weekend, uh, April 9th, 10th, something like that, uh, you, you know, it should be really fun. So with that, Tom, let's get into this episode. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one to talk about because this is Mandalorian Chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore, directed by Rachel Morrison and written by Jon Favreau. This episode, The Mandalorian and Grogu explore the ruins of a destroyed planet. Really? It should just been explore the ruins of Mandalore. Okay, they don't want to spoil people, but yes, it is. I would have done it. (sighs) I would have done it. I mean, flat out, yes, I would have gone there. So- I know we talked a lot about the structure last week. This week jumps straight into this this episode, it's episode two of the season, jumps straight into the the big stuff I didn't think we were gonna get till the end of the season. Okay, but can I can I say I appreciated that? No, I was so happy to see that. Like I, we talked a lot about how the first episode I felt like was a little all over the place as far as like pacing and where we were going. But other than, you know, the short scene on Tatooine, which again, really Tatooine again. We actually like get the full journey. Like, like I said, like, I expected this to be a multi-year investment or multi-episode mm-hmm. investment. And like, we kind of get there at the end of this one. A right. plus. Love it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, it was, it was great. And I, I'm excited to dig into more of what happens uh, later in the episode, but you're right. I, I was, I really appreciated that they didn't make us wait. And it actually opens up a lot of questions about where they'll go from there. And I'm excited to theorize with you guys. Um, well, but yeah, it's it, it, it was great. And and it also opened up the question. I mean, I I will say I did appreciate that little bit on Tatooine. It gave us a great little bit of Buntu Eve. We got to see Pelimoto again. We got to see her basically fleece a guy who wanted to have his speeder fixed, which was kind of interesting. And it also brought us to where you have the Mando going to her to say, Hey, is there any way I can get a memory circuit for IG IG eleven? Okay. Yeah. Now, now, go go ahead. Go ahead. You first, William. Ugh. Yeah, you first. That's, so I go guess, ahead, William. Like you, Stephen. My first thought was Tatooine again. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I, don't get me wrong. I love Tatooine. Right? It's a classic planet. We've seen it a lot in Star Wars television. We've seen it, of course, lots in The Mandalorian, in Book of Boba Fett, in Kenobi. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, it was, it was. A, I was a little disappointed when the episode first started with Tatooine. That's but it, it. Was it was brief. It was brief. It was brief. Yes. You know, it's it's fun to see Pelly again. And it makes sense logically that, well, where would he go to find a part for IG-11? Go see Pelly. Right. Um, and, and so that all made sense. And, you know, it was nice to see the Boonta Eve again. And in, in The Phantom Menace, we get, you know, we talk about the Boonta Eve pod race, but it really sounds more like a, the name of the race than like the Eve of Boonta, you know, like the, the, the holiday Boonta. Uh, and so it's kind of cool to see a little bit more of, we don't, we don't see a ton of it, but you know, we see some fireworks. We see, you know, Pelly talking about how the, everyone's a little, you know, drunk and crazy on Boonta, going crazy on Boonta Eve, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was nice. Ultimately, I feel like they really just needed it to wrap up the IG 11 plot point and give him R five D four. And that's really all mm-hmm. it, it, it was. And to well, bring Pelly back. Yeah. To bring it- Pelly back, Go ahead, Stephen. Go ahead. Okay. It it did make me laugh. Like 
did we really need the whole IG-11 thing if exactly this is, like this is how it was going to end up? And again, I think that just speaks to like the weirdness of the first episode. Mm -hmm. um, I also like I, I need to pull up a map, like a galactic map. I do find it pretty funny to imagine um, oh God, like how close are Mandalore and Tatooine and Navarro? I just feel like he's. I think zooming. they're all in the outer rim, actually. And, yeah, so the outer rim but, is kind of hot, right? But yeah, it's a big outer rim. And <laughs> I just have this like sinking suspicion that it was a like he's just zigzagging across the galaxy, like, yeah. oh man, William, I I'm sorry, I forgot to pick up bread for dinner tonight. I'm just gonna go over to Washington D.C. I'll be right back. Like yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really, like that's. This is the closest place, and I know he trusts Peli and so on, but like really, yeah, uh, trivializing, I'd say the galactic travel here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 totally right. I I really do think I don't know. In some ways, it felt like they kind of tried to shoehorn in grief Karga in the last episode, and then and IG Eleven, of course, yep. and then in this episode they wanted to shoe in Pel shoe in Pel shoehorn in Peli because. I mean, I don't know where the season will go. I kind of presumed it would mostly be on Mandalore, maybe, or 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 you know, trying to unite the Mandalorians. Um, I don't know. I feel like there might be more seamless ways they could work in these characters because it really just felt yep. like a way to bring these characters back. And I, I love the characters. Don't get me wrong. But I, yeah, I think this version worked much better. Like, you know, if we ignore the reason he's there, like the whole IG-11 thing, which even mm -hmm. then is kind of maybe like, OK, um, actually, I think I would just would have liked it more if he just went to her yeah. for a droid. Yeah, like, well, I think yeah. it would make a lot more sense. It, it, also, it would make more sense, but but also you you do have that little bit of a suspicion. Again, I've always remembered if you call attention to something, you're going to have to use it later. Maybe at some uh, point we will see IG-11 later. I think we will. Yeah, I mean, it, it's set up to be that way. But then again, it does beg the question, why did he need him for Mandalore when basically she suckered him into taking R5 to Mandalore instead? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And... Sorry. I'm I'm actually going to jump ahead again a little bit here. <laughs> the other thing that frustrated me a little bit is he needs. So we reaffirmed that he needs a droid to test the safety of the air. Mm -hmm. And like, I get that he's talking about like the air in the mine, but like we see that like R5 doesn't make it very far in the mine before things happen, which we'll discuss later. Mm -hmm. And then he like comes back and he like waits for the report. And I just want to be like, really like. I just kind of feel like, like your handheld ship device? should be able to check the air. Or if he right. could, yeah, or if he could pressurize his helmet, just walk like he did in the episode when R five disappears. Right. Pressurize your helmet, have a little like wrist monitor or something monitor there. It just I, it, it felt mm -hmm. a little contrived. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> yeah. there's there's the other aspect. It wasn't so much he wanted a droid to test the air, but to go spelunking with him. R five is not a droid that's got limbs to go spelunking. So, yeah. yeah. All that said, I did enjoy actually getting to spend more time with R5. Of course, famous for, you know, blowing his top when, um, you know, Luke tries to buy him in A New Hope. And so, you know, he kind of gets his moment in the in the limelight. And yep. it's kind of funny to see, you know, he's apparently he's constantly falling apart and very scared and afraid and shy. And, you know, it's, it's an enjoyable little bit. Um, did they... I don't know. I felt like did, did they need to have the whole IG-11 thing? Because they spent a lot of time on IG-11 last week to end up with R5. I don't think so. Now, I think IG-11 will come back later, but I don't know. It just seemed kind of seemed kind of roundabout, but IG, you know, R5's cool. Mm -hmm. 
He served his purpose. I I do kind of hope. I don't know what format this would take. I would love to see a like what if exploration where R5 and R2 are swapped. And we get, you know, some sort of scene. Like I, I kind <laughs> yeah. of imagine like a uh it could be animated. Uh, they've done it before in like comics or things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But just like two stories side by side. One is Luke gets R5 and C3PO and what happens with his journey on, you know, to the rebellion. And the other is the man Mandalorian <laughs> getting R2, you know, late in the game at this point. And <laughs> that, what that, R2 has gone through. That would have been, that would have been, actually, that'd be hilarious. Especially I can imagine R5, you know, in the middle of the trench run, right? Yep. Too scared to repair the, the ship. And <laughs> it just, you got, yeah, exactly. Like, actually, I think a lot, you probably get a weird, like, Empire takes over kind of thing without R2. Right. And you just get probably some honestly enjoyable, like, in, I'll say it's even for me, like, sass between R2 and Grogu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that would that i would oh pay my to see. gosh yeah, yeah that would be brilliant fun. so there you go if it happens you heard it here first clearly my idea <laughs> and obviously no one lucasfilm was already working on this <laughs> oh boy yeah but spe- speaking of potentially you know funny funny moments uh, i did enjoy seeing you know pelly trying to swindle the the poor rodian with the jawas again you know and get some references to the clone wars with you know leaping lerman and uh, even even a, a kind of a callback to the book of Boba Fett in a somewhat funny way, where she's like, "Oh, the huts are back. You take it out, Boba Fett," uh, which I appreciated. So you know, some nice nice lines. I, Amy uh, Sedaris is always fun to see as Pelimoto. So you know, it was it, it was enjoyable. But really, ultimately, that stop is just to pick up R five D four, so they can travel to Mandalore. And this is where the episode goes from you know fun to really good. I think. I agree for the most part. Okay. Well, interesting. We'll okay. We'll yeah, there. we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so I guess there's a lot of exposition in this episode. A lot. A lot of history. It's kind of a, a brain dump, especially for people who maybe aren't as familiar with the Mandalorians and haven't watched the Clone Wars or Rebels. You know, there's a throughout the episode, there's a lot of brain dumping and telling people all the backstory of the Mandos and you know, how they can kind of came from Mandalore, Mandalore or later they, uh, you know, Bo-Katan is telling about how her family ruled Mandalore, right? There's all of these types of things that we as Clone Wars fans are very familiar with, but as you know, average views, viewers, I think they have to uh, do a lot of exposition to convey, but I still enjoyed hearing it again. You know, there's like, mm-hmm. it's so... Um, Especially when like Bo-Katan starts, oh, even Mandalorian kind of teaching Grogu is nice, right? You know, even showing him like, here's where how the star system is laid out, and kind of reinforcing how close these planets are. And then later, you know, when Bo-Katan is with uh, Grogu, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. How um, the, you know their dynamic as well. I, it made the exposition much more interesting. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So we talked about briefly the um you know testing the air and how r5d4 isn't the greatest uh at at the job uh and that forces mando to encounter these new creatures called alamites um and as we get a big battle and they keep kind of uh causing trouble throughout the episode what do you guys think of these these new creatures kind of reminds me of something Sorry, kind of no, reminded me something, that's all right. Kind of reminded me something out of I Star Trek. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind them. No, no, I'm sorry. I did not mind them. But it kind of reminded me of something out of Star Trek. Yeah, Star and, Trek. Um, I don't and, know, generic cave dweller. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of know the episode that it reminds me of. It's a very famous uh, Kirk in this alien episode. Um, kind of reminded me of that alien. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very scary. You know, we learn later that they used to be in the wastelands, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess now they are just hunting for food wherever they can. Mm-hmm. And that includes the city of Sundari, which is just completely decimated. It's it's kind of sad to see how how like desolate and deserted that the the ruins are. You know, after having just what 10, 15 years before, seeing them mm-hmm. at their peak in the Clone Wars, you know, and like the yeah. the siege of Mandalore and everything. And I, I even noticed a lot of. Uh, locations from the Clone Wars show and Rebels that we kind of see again uh, in in this series. It's it's very yeah. cool. I thought they did a wonderful job. Later in the episode, the shot with Bo-Katan where she looks at I don't what was the city or the giant dome called? I don't. I Sundari. honestly don't. Even, was it? Yeah. 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 Just they did like huge props to the graphics team for this episode. Like I, all the shots of the ships, like coming down to the planet and landing and the wreckage and the ruins, like you said, just like, just looked fantastic. And it yeah. really, I think underscored just how bad Mandalore got it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, well, you and I are both Halo fans, but I was very much reminded of like glassing from Halo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, With mm-hmm. like the jagged spears of that Trinity. Yeah, and everything. Like, the surface oh, it's is, so good just crystallized there is nothing alive there and i think it it points to why din is so concerned about not being able to breathe the air there because like Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's any plant life left like yeah it is not not a good time to be on mandalore to say the least yeah i mean yeah between the destruction and then the uh, you know the the alamites and the the galar those flying creatures and it's it's just there is life on the planet as we learn but it's it's very hostile and there's not a, a whole lot of it. And just the production design aside from the Alamites, which I didn't love was just outstanding on, on you know, mm-hmm. the whole city. I don't know, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's, it's sad that when you've seen this city and this world in the other series to be completely decimated the way it is, you can understand how Bo Bo-Katan is like, you know what? Why do you want to go there? The, the place is gone. You, you can you can feel it mm-hmm. that the sorrow in her that there is really no point going back to a planet that, as Stephen you said, is completely crystallized because it was just completely bombarded, and to take the opinion that it's cursed, not breathable there, this that and the other thing, just discourage people from going there mm-hmm. because it is just so damaged. I mean, yeah. you're looking at that city going. How, if they were to go back, how are they going to rebuild it is the question. If they were to even try. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. I know. It's, it's crazy. It, it was also really sad to just see the Mandalorian helmets buried in the dirt and the, the, you know, the dust and everything. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. At one point I was like, are they going to like turn over Maul's, you know, not Maul's helmet, but like one of Maul's Mandalorian's helmet, like a red Mando that's, helmet. That's and, what I was kind <laughs> of really cool. seeing. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. I guess uh, on the other hand, I I feel like those would have been cleaned up by that point. So I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. it would have been cool to see. 
though we did get a pretty giant jump scare when uh oh. you know <laughs> when, yeah when that, that creature craziest things i think i've seen out of star wars i i still don't really know how to describe it like but I, I think I can describe it this way. This really interesting mechanical spider. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that, yeah. I, I, you know, they don't really just officially tell us what it is or, or it, I guess the closest analogy really is like Maul in the Clone Wars with his like spider legs. <laughs> you know, it's. It wasn't far off, but it, it's got like three different levels. It's got like the arachnid spider suit that it disconnects from, but it's still. Like, almost like general grievous like yeah you know yeah mm -hmm. with all yep. like the pipes and the spikes and everything eye, yeah and then it's robot like human-sized body and then even when that gets destroyed it's got it's it like the head is able to crawl around and move like which which was funny because when the head just had separated it part of it looked like it was it was slave one it was <laughs> weird i'm looking at it i'm looking at it other than the flaring that comes out the design of it almost had like a slave one look to it huh. when it was skittering away on the legs. Yeah. I, I just creepy. creepy it was thing so creepy ever come and, up with really cool yeah. production design. I, I thought it was just absolutely really well done. Very unusual. Unlike what we've seen in star Wars before. I have so many questions about what it is and <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, but um, may not ever get the answer. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's cool. Plus one on like, Again, kudos to the design team. Like whoever, wherever that came from, awesome job. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. amazing job. And I'll throw and, one other thing in on it that I thought was pretty cool. That little thing that was a compressor compression of the air with the eyes on it. You could just, it seemed like it was one of those things that really was not meant to be there, but because the, the creature was forcing it to work. Yeah. Just because the eyes were canted to the side. You kind of, as bad as it sounds, you kind of felt sorry for the thing just sitting there working for this ugly creature. Yeah. What do you what do you think they were trying it was trying to do with Mando? Because it obviously captures and puts it in this like cage, rotisserie cage type of thing. Uh, and then tries I mean, to extract some sort of liquid from him. I I assumed it was blood, like yeah. and they were just draining him for I, fluids I and proteins and oh. you know, everything a growing body needs, I would assume. Creepy stuff. Especially, you know, because he's just an eyeball and a, probably a brain. So, like, yeah, I assume maybe at some point he did need sustenance. And uh, this is not this is how he gets it now. Is he like traps probably the whatever the creatures were called, the Alamites, like the Alamites or something. And, you know, hey, he caught a Mando, caught a Mandalorian. Like he's eating good tonight. Yeah. So that all of this really leads to what I think is one of the biggest things in the episode in some ways, and that's just how much character growth we get for Grogu in this episode. Maybe character growth, Goo. Um, no, just now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but, you know, we talked about last week, will we ever see him start to talk or grow up or anything? In this episode, we, you know, I think Pelly's hearing things, but she starts to talk about how, oh, you know, is he is he saying his first word, right? I, don't, I think she heard something. I think she heard something. It wasn't actually yeah. a first word. But I wouldn't be surprised if we actually do see him start to form words maybe by the end of the season because, you know, we, we've we been seeing Mando teach him a lot more. And, you know, when Mando gets captured now, 
Grogu goes on a whole mission all by himself to go get help. And mm-hmm. he goes, you know, he has help from R5, of course. But, you know, he goes to Bo-Katan, rescues, uh, you know, recruits Bo-Katan, who's been depressed up till now, to come, you know, help him save Din Djarin and leads her back. And he kind of has his own mission. It's a it's a lot of character development for him, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It, a lot more than we've seen up till now and I, it really shows just how much he's grown it, it seems like he had no choice to grow up at this point because really he if mando is supposed to be his father and they are a clone of uh, a a clan of two then he is going to sit there and figure out a way to get back to bo katan which it is kind of funny he gets in, into the ship and points to the planet and it was even stated that r5 is a good navigator droid so yeah, I think R5 is the one who flew because Grogu doesn't have the high chair or the, oh, the sure. booster seat yeah. to sit and see over the uh, the, which would have been very funny to actually see him in a booster seat flying the thing. But, yeah, you know, he had help without yeah, he no question. Help. But this is the by far the most. I, typically, what he does, he just chill. You know, he kind of comes along with Mando and maybe uses the Force on a creature or something to help. Right. This is the first time we've actually seen him go off on his own not supervised by someone by living being you know living being and trying to rescue mando i think it's a huge development for him as a character and i think it it kind of maybe negates our conversation from the last episode where we thought maybe he would he'll stay a baby forever Mm and steven what do you what do you think Uh, literally the only thing i think through this entire scene especially when grogu gets to book and i was like what what's that timmy Timmy filled out a well? What? Oh, Lassie, we better go get him. Like, (laughs) I'm glad that Grogu's getting development. I really, I feel like they're going backwards. And it really, really, I just, I, I think it, I mean, I'm applying human child development on Grogu. I have trouble finding it as realistic when he doesn't talk or do anything else yet. And so it, I don't know. I just, I'm seeing a baby in a high stroll, uh, like a stroller zipping around and communicating, like (laughs) not communicating, like understanding the nuances of navigation. And I realized like he pointed to the dot that he got point was pointed to earlier, but that implies understanding that the dot represents a person and a location it just, it was fine. I didn't hate it. Well, I'm but, glad they're developing him. I still feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They want him to make cute baby noises, but they also want mm-hmm. him to be an active participant in the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think you get to do both still. And so literally the entire time it was just, you know, whatever. Timmy's in a well and Lassie goes to get Bo-Katan to help. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see him talk? I know we talked about this last week. I, does this change what we've seen here in this episode? Does this change your opinion? Do you I think, think you will see him? I think that's probably the end of the season yeah. is first word at the end of the season and mm-hmm. probably something like, I don't know, like he'll say Mandalore or something like along those lines. Like yeah. it'll be related to, uh, you know, whatever title Din Djarin ends up with at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just it felt a little bit much to me. There, you could say there was a little bit, possibly of a growth moment, or when my my point I'm pointing at is when 
They're going back into the cave. He's got Bo-Katan next to him. And then all of a sudden he's like going through and she's basketball and he slows down and she's like, you know what? I know you're scared. Okay. But in so many words, trying to say, look, you're going to have to grow out of this. You're going to have to basically grow up because your father needs you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you're going to be a clan of two, get over it and move forward. And, you know, let's go help your dad. So he did, you know, he did. It, it's, it's the little things I understand about, you know, he's a baby, this, that, and the other thing, but there's going to be little growth spurts where you're going to see him kind of mature a bit. That to me was a little bit of a mature thing to watch him go through the cave to go get Bo-Katan did feel like you wanted to hear like some kind of crazy music as he's zipping through the thing. Cause that was kind of, you know, um, I'm kind of cliche where it's like going out, but you know, it, it is what it was. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, I like that we're seeing some growth with him and I, I suspect this is the first little bit we'll get, but it'll, it'll, we'll, we'll get a lot more this season and yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to interesting to see i think they'll have to walk that balance and and not try to grow him up too much too fast but i do think we'll see him kind of grow up a bit just like we saw ahsoka grow up you know throughout the clone Mm -hmm. wars etc um and of course that leads us to the 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 great rescue with bo katan they take her gauntlet starfighter because of course the n1 is way too small (laughs) like immediately useless ship but (laughs) yeah completely uh and, and you know what? Wait, yeah. and, and it it did solve my question of how they're going to take ig11 on that ship to think of mandalore well they didn't they took r5 instead so that solved that problem yeah no that's true that's true you know and he had the you know the droid slot in the back of the n1 um which i guess meant grogu had to sit in the cockpit with mando so it's even, even more cramped but that's fine uh it's again it's a cool ship i love the ship uh they take they take the gauntlet starfighter and Grogu leads her to uh to Mando where she picks up the dark saber and uh goes to town. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Just by far like seeing the difference between Dinjarin who, you know, just fighting a couple of Alamites is really struggling with the dark saber. He can yeah. barely hold Bo- it. Yeah. What Bo-Katan can do with it is amazing. Just yeah. to see her slide underneath that spidery creature and split it open is like was that's that is definitely a callback to Clone Wars and mm-hmm. all the other stuff with lightsabers just going underneath tanks. I'm just I was just so enjoying that fight oh, and seeing like her gauntlet shields again and everything. It's just oh, yeah, absolutely so cool. so cool. And <laughs> and then when she pulls out her blasters, and forget it. They're both going at the same time. I mean, just total Bo-Katan. Yeah. This is very, very cool. And of course, they so they rescue Mando. He's fine. The creature dies, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it, it is dead at the, by the third or fourth time it's been yeah. slashed up with the dark saber. Yeah. Yep. So, so can we can we say that Bo-Katan went Bo-Katown? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sorry. That, yeah. I'm sorry. Continue, please. Yeah, so then we get we get a brief respite where you know Mando is recovering. We get some more exposition where I don't think we ever knew that. You know, I like how they kind of tie the Clone Wars and Rebels into the Mandalorian history a little more now. We learn that Bo-Katan took the creed. Uh, you know, as, since she's part of the royal family, but apparently, you know, at least from her perspective, all these rituals were just theater for their subjects, and so. 
um you know this the the mm-hmm. um the initiation we saw last week and we'll talk more on that in a minute is kind of gives us a, a sense of what that what that creed looked like uh, and that was happening during the clone wars we just never saw it yeah it I thought it worked really well, and I think it helped ground the. I don't even. What is the Mandalorian's uh, group called? I'm blanking. Followers, of, followers of the way. Uh, the watch. No, sorry. Uh, no, no, Children were... of the watch. Yeah. Children like, of the watch. Okay. Like it just. I appreciated how we grounded Children of the Watch more fully in the Mandalorian history here. Like they feel they still obviously are abnormal, but they you can see the pieces, yeah. you know, and where they came from. They they took a lot of these Mandalorian teachings to an extreme, but they're still rooted in Mandalorian teachings and on some level. Yep. You know, exactly. But, and yet they're also not fully Mandalorian because, you know, as we see, Din, he grew up thinking he was a Mandalorian, part of the children of the watch, but he's like never tried pog soup before. He's never been to Mandalore before. Right. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of these classic like things that every Mandalorian does or has done that he never really took part in. Well, he even said to Grogu that he grew up on the planet Concordia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it did, did seem like he's never been to Mandalore. Right. And he, and he said he's never been in the, in the yeah. episode. And so, yeah, it's, I like to be able to get a little more of the backstory. We even got backstory into Bo-Katan's father, who we never saw in the Clone Wars. Uh, you know, we never saw Bo-Katan and Satine's father, but she talks about how he, he must, he, you know, he died defending Mandalore at some point. I don't know if that was before the purge or during the clone wars or when that happened during the purge, but, uh, you know, I, I liked, cause I mean, we know Satine so well, her sister and we know Kapokatan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's cool to see and hear more about these other characters that clearly were around, you know, but we never, uh, we never got to see in the Clone Wars. Again, it, it kind of ties the series together a bit more, which I really appreciated. Would love to hear a name drop of the sister, though. Of, well, of I, we got it. We got a, a hint, right? Bo-Katan does. We say got. That we got the. She hint. said, "I didn't embarrass him in front of every her, him being her father. I didn't embarrass right. my father in front of anyone, which I'm sure is a reference to Satine, right? And how she's more of a she was more of a pacifist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The one thing she fails to mention, you know, she talks about how. She, you know, once ruled Sundari for a brief time and how the destruction was more recent, all the stuff we already know. Uh, the one thing she doesn't mention is that she used to work for a terrorist group to overthrow yeah, her own yeah. sister. And at least until Maul nah, came into the picture, minor little details, details, you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to let that slip. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least she came around. She left the terrorist group before, you know, um, they became too evil, I guess. But. I don't know. <laughs> uh, minor details. Yeah. Um, and I also one other thing I, I appreciated was her her line about how, you know, when, when asked like what pains her, she says that seeing their own kind fight one another time and time again for reasons mm-hmm. too confusing to explain is a great way to summarize the very complex history of the Mandalorians across Legends yep. and Clone Wars and Rebels. I- I did laugh a little bit, and especially because I've been playing a lot of Destiny, though, like, I don't have time to explain why it's so complicated. Like, <laughs> and yeah, it just, it made me chuckle. Yeah. Well, also, they really honestly tried to explain all the details. Well, let's see. Yeah. 
we used to be a warrior race. My sister was a pacifist, and so we changed the, you know, like going through everything. Yeah, which... It goes off the rails very quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah. Everybody's eyes would start. I joined a terrorist going, organization. Da, 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 you know? Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It would not work at all. So this brings us to the big moment, which I, I did not think we would get until the season finale, let alone episode two. And that's the arrival at the living waters of Mandalore. Steven, how did you feel arriving at this fairly big moment so quickly? Like I, like I said at the beginning, I was honestly like my jaw dropped when I was like, oh, we're there. Like mm-hmm. I genuinely thought we were going to spend the entire season getting to this point. And not only do we get to the waters, but I think by the time like Din steps into the waters, recites the words that cleanse him, mm-hmm. uh, some other things happen. And I just, I, I think we're done with that storyline. Like, amazing. Yeah. I think he's, he's redeemed in the eyes of the armor, I, I think, at this point. Okay. But it still brings up a boatload of questions because not only is he redeemed in the eyes of the uh, armor, but the bigger question comes up with Bo-Katan now because she actually, well, she went in the waters as well. And what did we see inside the waters? Something that... It has not been seen in oh god i don't know we saw a thousand generations yeah a thousand generations <laughs> i just i what were your thoughts of seeing a mythosaur for the first time oh my guys gosh that was unexpected you know they, they kind of yeah. started to tease it when they she read the plaque about how right you know mandalore that you know the, the 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 living waters of mandalore date back to the time of the of the very first mandalore and they even named after mandalore the great which is awesome to hear right um and uh how it's you know it was a ancient folklore that the mines were once you know, once held a a, a a mythosaur and he tamed the mythical beast and you know that's why the mythosaur skull became the signet and the symbol of the mandalorian people and then to actually see the mythosaur alive in the water, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. What What do you think, Stephen? I just awesome and just <laughs> like I was a, a little sad that the episode is cut so quickly. Like they pop up after seeing it, and then we're done. Um, yeah. But but you could well. First off, I had to watch. I didn't catch it the first. I had to watch it on my iPad at work, so I really didn't get a good view of it because it was really dark. But when I got it home, oh no, the whole the whole lighting debate that sparked yeah, I, the internet I, this not, week. I, oh boy, I am, I am staying. I am staying. It was too dark, but we don't need to go into it. <laughs> staying out of it. I'm staying out of it. All I will say is, when I got home and I saw it on a screen in a dark room, and I turned all the lights off, I'm like. I was like Bo-Katan when she got out of the waters with her mouth going, oh my God, did I just see what I just saw? That was one of the coolest things. It makes me want to go 3D print now a Mythosaur skull and just put it in my room. Although the wife wouldn't be happy with that. But still, (laughs) um, it's just, it's way too cool to see something like that. Oh, I I totally agree. And it, it, it sets up a big cliffhanger for next week. What's going to, what's going to happen? Do they, does the Mythosar play a role? I have to imagine it will later in the season. It, um, it where does the to. where does the season even go from here? Right, he's he's bathed in the waters. He's a, mm-hmm. in the eyes of the armor, and then the according to the creed, he is a Mandalorian once more. He is no longer an apostate. Right, he is I, bathed in the waters of the Mandalorian. And actually, that's why we saw that sequence at the beginning of the last episode, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's because it showed us that ritual before he, Mando did it in this one. Where do you think the season goes from here? It has to be two storylines. When you look at it from this point of view, he is redeemed. So, Stephen, if you're going to say, I, I'm sorry if I cut you off, but, I, but I, I see it this way. He has been redeemed. He's got to go back to the armor and say, I bathe in the living waters of Mandalore, so I am now a Mandalorian again. But now you're looking at Bo-Katan's story because she was like, oh, it's a child's thing, blah, blah, blah. I sat here with the rituals. Who cares? Thousand years, blah, blah, blah. But she actually saw the mythosaur. He never did. He was out. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, he was out. She saw him. So one of, one of two things is going to happen, okay? It's either going to be when they leave the planet, she's going to be in still shock. She saw a mythosaur, okay? And somehow she's got to convince all of Mandalore that's left that this is true. We need to basically come back as a community a- a- again and and get back to Mandalore and rebuild our culture. Or... God, I forgot what my second point was going to be. I just, wow. Stephen, can you help me out here? I completely forgot. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I think it's going to go where we thought it was. Man, uh, Din Djarin has the Darksaber. That makes him the leader of his people. And now Bo-Katan has seen, and I don't think they're just going to leave, Like, but there is now a Mythosaur underneath her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that's going to be pretty clearly drive the next episode right um, it, it, i think we're going to see the 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 season will be about the re- reuniting the return of the mandalorian people the resettlement of mandalore um however you want to describe it but i think that's where we're going mm-hmm. i think you're right and, because you know they even on that plaque and they had to have read that plaque for a reason right it's not yep. just to give us you know uh, star wars fans some you know fun lore right that we already yep. kind of knew Mm-hmm. She says again. I'll, I'll repeat. I said it a couple minutes ago. According to ancient folklore, the mines were once a, once a mythosaur lair, and apparently still are. Um, and Mandalore the Great is said to have tamed the mis- mythical beast and united. And that's you know why he how he united the Mandalorians was by taming mm-hmm. the mythosaur. And so I think you're right. I think what's going to happen is Din and Bo-Katan are together going. To tame, or, or or maybe it's not together. Maybe maybe there's a conflict between the two of them. They're going to tame the Mythosar, and that is going to be the way in which between the dark saber and the Mythosar, they're able to unite the Mandalorians once again. And yeah. thank you, William, for getting to my second point because I think that's where I was going with it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, the the question is, okay, well, you know, Mando has the dark saber, Bo-Katan does not. Um, but maybe it doesn't matter, right? If if she can tame the Mythosar, maybe mm-hmm. she doesn't need the dark saber, or maybe she uses the dark saber to tame the Mythosar, and then she gets possession. I I, I don't know. Like, well, but, I guess another question. I think we're gonna see a combination. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, that, I think we're gonna see a much larger duo between Bo and Din going forward. Um, partly because I think they didn't need someone else to play off of. Um, that's not just Grogu for all the reasons I've complained about. Mm-hmm. Um, but even this episode shows Din does not know how to use the Darksaber. Bo right. does. And I I think, I don't know if I want to call them like a power couple yet, but like, I think the two of them together will, I mean, any, God, even in like the, the, the setting of the entire scene, I think is telling. Uh, Bo 
feels like this entire ritual, his this entire cult is ridiculous. He the ritual is theater for the people. Din does not treat it that way. It is a religious experience for him, mm-hmm. dealing with the reference of like, frankly, this destroyed ruin. And I think that moves something for Bo. You know, she hasn't been able to hold her people together. And I think she's realizing part of what's missing is this the cultural aspect of it to some mm-hmm. Not necessarily the full cult piece, but like it is not just about who has the Darksaber. There is meaning behind being a Mandalorian, and she has potential to provide that meaning. And I think Din has the potential to provide that meaning as well. Mm-hmm. I, That's a really good point. It, it's, is, it's both. Right. It, you can't yeah, just, it, it's not just, oh, I have the power. You need that culture too. Right. You're so right. And I, and I think my expectation is Din will be the one that tames the Mythosar and Bo will take the Darksaber mm-hmm. and together they will bring the people of Mandalore back together. Right. Because and I don't know if we'll see Gideon show up this season, but like I could see maybe the rest of the season is about going and collecting the various clans or maybe the season actually moves faster and we actually have like a defensive Mandalore type moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, that'd be so interesting because like uh, right now I assume it'll take the next six episodes to unite all the Mandalorian clans and and yet at the rate the season's going maybe not maybe they do finish it much faster and they kind of move on to something else I don't know I, I just love that they're dealing in with with Mandalore now and it's just it's really cool it, it yeah, they're I, just doing such a great job yeah I just happy it went so quick I really did yeah yeah, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, six episodes of, well, we can't get past this or we need to go get help from this person or whatever. And he just he strolled pretty much right in and uh, and bathed in the waters, the living waters of Mandalore. And and I hope we see a lot more. I think the, the interesting dynamic will be when they I'm assuming this will probably happen, you know are trying to unite the Mandalorian clans and have to talk to like the armor, for example. And how do they bring the, the children of the watch back in to Mandalore? How do they unite that piece? Okay. But, but, but that's the thing right now. You've got basically two representations of man, uh, of the Mandalorian culture. You've got Din Djarin, who is the, the rock steady, keep your helmet on, blah, 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 who did the bathing of the waters. And now you've got Bo-Katan, who I am a Mandalorian, but I don't believe in all the cultist stuff, but I saw the mythosaur. So you've got basically both sides and a representative of both sides. And if the two of them can work together to somehow come up with, let's say an easy truce or an easy way to make this work and bring the cultures back together again, you've got the two sides to go out to each individual side and bring everybody together because, because they both have a piece of a puzzle that needs to be put back mm-hmm. together again. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> this season is definitely moving really fast, and I like how it's. It feels a little bit more focused, at least, than previous seasons. I know that the, the the there was a lot of jumping around. It was a little disjointed in the first episode, but this I think really cemented. It it feels like they have a good focus for the season, and I'm I'm excited to see what what happens next. You know, do they leave Mandalore and try to do something else first? Do they? They deal with the Mythosar right away. I, uh, I don't know. It's cool. Questions, questions, questions. So Nothing many, but questions. So many. We ready for reviews? I, I think so. Uh, I think we are. Tom, or ratings, I should say. <laughs> uh, you know, Stephen, why don't you go first? 
So overall, I just this was such a significant improvement over the first episode. Um, I will say I found it a little bit dark. I wish it was they lightened it up a little bit. It wasn't unwatchable, but it annoyed me a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll put that out there and leave it aside for now. Um, the Grogu stuff still kind of bothers me. I'm glad we're moving in the right direction, at least. I just still feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. keep him cute by making bubbly noises, but have him act more adult ish. Um, and I, I hope we catch up on that soon. Um, it, this episode gives me hope that they're at least moving that direction. So like, I do give them a thumbs up for it, even if it, you know, still bothered me a little, but, um, the stuff with Bo-Katan and the rest of the stuff with Dinjar and the weird spider mechanical creature were all just fantastic. And I loved all of it. Um, I think I'm gonna have to give it, oh man. No, I should have thought of this ahead of time. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half out of 10. Feels about right to me. Um, just a overall very solid episode. I wish they just started with this one for the season. Um, nothing a little recap wouldn't have enabled, honestly. Like if the recap was just, you know, Mando needs to go and bathe in the, the waters of Mandalore. Uh, I guess we wouldn't have seen the Bo-Katan scene and yeah, that was kind of important, but like, I don't know. You could have solved it. I think that would have been way better. So eight and a half. Um, and uh, my eight and a half Womp Rats, you know, there's obviously a thriving culture of mechanical creatures on Mandalore. Um, we saw one get defeated by Bo, but there are eight and a half other ones that are still lurking in the deep that uh, I only assume, I can only assume we'll see next episode. Oh yeah. Tom, how about you? I'm going to have to agree with you at the 8.5. I was, I was back and forth on maybe going a little higher, but I, I'm, I'm going to go 8.5. I, I, the hardest thing was with the was the dark part of the episode, which, again, you watch with the lights off, gorgeous. Um, I did appreciate the real quick thing back on Tatooine, but I liked it because it was quick. You got in, you got your point across, and you left. Done. All that stuff on Mandalore, my, just watching all it, walking through it, oh, loved every minute of it. So enjoyed the episode, 8.5. My 8.5 Womp Rats. Um, they basically are out hunting the Alamites to make sure that they do not go back into the caves. So when the next time um, Bo and Din and Grogu come back, there is a place for them that they could be safe at least for a little while. But that's why there's that half, because one guy ended up not kind of half of him didn't make it. So anyway, that's the 8.5. Yikes. <laughs> yep. You know, like you guys, I thought this was just a such a good episode it was it, it delivered everything we wanted from the season you know so far i mean it, literally everything we were expecting this season they it delivered um and it you know yeah i was a little sad to see a little annoyed to see tatooine again just because we've seen it so much but um you know at least like you guys said it was it was relatively brief and it's the rest of this episode was just so outstanding bo-katan i just love Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan and getting to see more of Mandalore and Mandalorian culture and hearing more of the backstory. Some of it we knew, some of it we didn't. It was just so good seeing growth for, for Grogu. Um, all of it was just so good. And I, I'm very, very, very thrilled with this episode. It was just outstanding. So I'm going to give it nine Womp Rats out of 10. And these nine Womp Rats, they are, uh, you know, in another timeline, another version of reality, 
Mando couldn't get R5-D4. He just exploded it right before he was going to leave because he's always failing. And so instead, he hired nine Womp Rats to scout out the uh, atmosphere. And it was safe. So that's good. <laughs> but yeah, such such a great episode. I just, I love it. Now, I guess if I had one small complaint, it's that the music so far just does not feel the same. It, Thank you. It does not feel the same without Ludwig Goranson. It's, but... I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping it'll change in, as the season progresses, but you know what? It, it's missing I, I some agree. of that magic. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah, I I think the biggest the the biggest change for me, and it was more noticeable, was when they were leaving Tatooine. Thank with the firework. That there was something about that musical score as they were leaving Tatooine that just to me did not fit. Yeah, you can you can tell that Ludwig Göransson is no longer working on it. and he still created the themes and everything but joseph shirley is doing most of the score and it's fine it just feels like it's a reuse of a lot of the previous themes and that's about it so i don't know it's my mm -hmm. only complaint but i'm hoping that will change or that we'll get ludwig Gorenson back at some point but but yeah it's wow this is just a such a good episode and i can't wait to see what happens next week in yeah, the I meantime, can't wait for the next episode. I know, I know. In the meantime, we have our review in just a couple days of The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 13, Pabu. And uh, as we're in the, the lead up to the the season finale, only four episodes left in The Bad Batch. And that includes the, the, the two-parter that uh, kind of finishes the season uh, for the finale. Uh, and then, of course, after Pabu, we'll be reviewing Mandalorian Chapter 19. So just keep rolling through this season and with that thank you guys for joining and we'll be back in a couple days with our review of Papu. thank you for listening to the ion cannon podcast your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far far away for over a decade ion cannon has covered every corner of the saga from the films and animated series like the clone wars and rebels to books comics games and more if you like what you hear please rate us in your favorite podcast client your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.